0: Last week, we started a series we're calling The Forgotten Commandments. Uh, of course, most of this stuff I'm sure you've heard before, but we have to make it sound interesting. So, The Forgotten Commandments. And uh, last week, we began talking about fearing God. How it's important. It's commanded in Scripture over a hundred times that we fear God. Over a hundred times. It comes up over and over and over and over. So, uh, it's very important for us to understand that, to, to get what's being talked about with that. What does it take to be a good Christian? Have you ever wondered what does it take to be a good Christian? I'm a pastor, of course, Pastor Mike from Good Hope Church, and uh, one of the things I've noticed in my life is I can be so busy being a Christian, that I lose the vibrancy of my relationship with God. Has that ever happened to you? Where you're just so busy doing the stuff, you know, you're volunteering for this and you're serving in that and you're, you're trying to do a good job in you know, whatever vocation you're at or raising your kids and you're, you're trying to do right, but all of a sudden, you realize your relationship with the Lord has started to fade. Have you noticed that? That can even happen to pastors. So I know it happens to everybody else because it's my job to stay connected with the Lord. That's my job. And I can get busy shoveling snow and, uh, you know, doing all these other things. Uh, and so, what we want to do is make sure that we don't. Get so busy that we lose the vibrancy of our relationship with the Lord um so this forgotten commandment stuff has to do with our relationship with the Lord uh at least this part of it last week again, fear the Lord. it's in there over and over and over um but we have we have fun at church, right? It's true we have fun at church we uh we have lots of fun at church and at the same time though we're supposed to fear the lord how does that go together how does that work well let's look at first uh, john 4:16 through 19 it's our relationship with the lord should start with the fear of the lord um and the fear of the lord is associated with lots of blessings and lots of wonderful things but it turns to love it turns to something else and so First um, John chapter 4. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like Him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. So, There was fear associated with punishment from God, but the perfect love of God pushes that out. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. So we know that God loves us, and so that perfect love pushes out fear. How many people are concerned that if they cry out to the Lord for the forgiveness of their sins by the blood of Jesus that they actually won't get forgiven and they will still be judged? I am firmly convinced if we ask for forgiveness and cite the blood of the Lamb that we will be forgiven because He loved us and He paid the price for us to be forgiven so we don't need to be afraid of judgment. Those who fear the Lord have nothing to fear because perfect love casts out fear and we don't need to live in fear anymore. But if we never have the fear of God in our hearts, I think that the relationship we have with Him can become kind of superficial. You know, we need to take very seriously who God is. And I mean, if we show up at church with Hawaiian shirts, you can get to think that maybe We don't take seriously who God is. But we very much take seriously who God is. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the God of the universe, the creator of all things. We need to have a proper, humble relationship with Him. And yet, it's a relationship that can go from fear to love. Both ways. He loves us and we love Him. Not, wow, what an incredible being. I am shaking in fear. But, wow, what an incredible being that I have a relationship with, that loves me, and I love Him. So we make the transition to loving God. This is part of being good at being a Christian. What did Jesus say is the greatest commandment? Let's look at Mark chapter 12. 29-31, through the greatest commandment. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So, to get to love is the greatest thing. We want to go all the way to love. So, as we go into this loving God, we still need to be highly motivated to please Him. You know, it's a lot easier to be motivated by fear than it is to be motivated by love. If we think God is going to drop, uh, you know, hailstones on us the size of basketballs if we don't pray for an hour on Monday, how many people are going to pray for an hour on Monday? I'm pretty sure everybody would. You could find an hour to pray if you were going to be destroyed if you didn't. But knowing there's a God that loves you, that wants to have relationship with you, doesn't necessarily motivate us to pray for an hour on Monday. So even though God is love, and to love God and be loved by God is the greatest commandment, we still need to be highly motivated to serve Him, to worship Him, to honor Him, to do what He wants us to do. We need to be highly motivated to please Him. We still need to be thankful and revere and worship God. Is our God a peer? Is God the Father our peer? No. I mean, we talk about, you know, I'm a friend of God and a personal relationship and all this stuff. But there's a hierarchy. We're not even with God we're you know he holds all the cards <laughs> we got we got nothing but his love for us we can't push him around he holds all the cards there's a hierarchy there so we still need to revere be thankful worship god so here's the question we're going to work on today how do we love god how do we do that what's the you know for me i Norwegian and Swedish and some German. Uh, love doesn't come easy. You know, like, what are you supposed to do? I don't know. Somebody's got to explain this to me. You know, I can shovel. I can do that. Um, ah, uh, this other relationship business is a little tricky. Uh, how do we love God? How many people have read the book that, the, about the five love languages? Have you read that book? That is a super good book. It helped me internet out a lot because We had different love languages. Mine, of course, from how I grew up, was uh, works of service. So I would mow the lawn to show her I loved her. But she wanted to spend time together, and I'm just ignoring her mowing the lawn. She thinks, well, he doesn't care about me. He's out there mowing the lawn and leaving me be. And, And it was not communicating. It was missing. So... We need to find out how do we love God. Let's look at the five love languages. I'm just going to list them. Words of affirmation. This is just from the book. Of course, there's lots of other stuff there too. Words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. I knew acts of service. I knew that one. She was into words of affirmation, receiving gifts, quality time. She had all these other things. I'm like... I don't know how to do those. I can move on. along. What's that? No, she's gotten a lot. She's dealt with... She's grown a lot. She's had to. So I greatly appreciate that. But I'm trying to grow as well. Because if, if you miscommunicate, you can love someone, but if you're not speaking their language, it's not going to connect. And so how do we love God and have it connect? How do we know if, he's, uh, if we're speaking His love language? How do we know if we're doing that? Well, we need to, uh, we need to look into the Scriptures and find that out. Um, let me give you an example first of speaking the wrong love language. Did you know that God wants us to have faith and walk by faith with Him? People can try to serve God through legalistic righteousness. And they're trying to do right by God, but they're speaking the wrong language. I always try to find the positives in stuff, and I appreciate the discipline of legalistic righteousness. I appreciate the intent of serving God. It's just that it goes awry. You you miss the connection with God, and it becomes about works instead of about relationship. And so that can be a wrong language. You know, uh, acts of service is that's how I grew up with the expression of love was through you make them something to eat, or you you know you you do a, a chore, or you help with a task. That was how you communicate love. That's how I grew up. And, you know, Trinette, they'd say, I love you to each other, and they bring each other stuff and all these crazy things. Uh, it was difficult for me to get a grasp on how that all worked. So you can try acts of service with God, but he wants relationship. And if it slips into legalism, now we're speaking the wrong language, and it can be all messed up. So how can we find out what God wants from us? How we can speak His love language? How can we do that? We're going to do that this morning by looking at the first four of the Ten Commandments. Why does God give us commands? Because He's a jerk and just wants to mess up our lives? Or is there something better behind that? You know, when we're young, we don't understand... Uh, when the kids were little, we lived on a very busy street. And the kids were little, you know. how They were pretty young when we moved there. I mean, like we're talking two years old and, and just a little batch, three of them all, and those little small kids. And so we're on a busy street. Well, the ball goes in the street periodically. If you were a kid, you know the ball goes in the street. Well, the kids needed to know if the ball goes in the street, you do not go after the ball. The ball's in the street. That's just the way it is. And they were too young for me to explain to them intellectually. Well, you see, we're on the edge of town and the cars coming from the north haven't slowed down yet. <laughs> and you're little. And they'll, I'm sure they'll try to swerve if they see you, but it's not worth the risk to go get your ball. Go get me. I'll make sure it's safe. I'll get the ball. Why did, and I enforced that rule rather strictly. You do not go on the street for any reason. And they started getting nervous about 10 feet away. You know, it was like, ah. Because I made, it was very clear. They will not go on the street. And so, why did I make that rule? Just because I didn't want them to have a ball? You know, like, but my ball's over there. Balls are good. I want it. You can't go get it. It wasn't because I didn't want them to have the ball. It's because I didn't want them to get hit by a car. And so when kids are little, you can't necessarily explain things to them. Our relationship with God, God can't necessarily explain everything. I mean, how long would the Bible have to be if everything was explained so that every human being could understand it? So it's just like, boom, do this. You know, (laughs) Uh, that's, that's the helpfulness of the Ten Commandments. Do that. Okay. But there's something behind it. It's not just like to see if we can follow rules. It's because there's something important behind these things. So let's look at the first four of the Ten Commandments and see what we can get. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the aliens within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All right, so let's look at, we've got four. No other gods besides me. No idols. No idols. We'll have no idols. Don't take my name in vain and keep the Sabbath. Those are the first four. So if you notice, these all have to do with our relationship with God. The rest of them have to do with our relationship with people. But the first four, so you can see the parallel between what Jesus said. The greatest commandment is to love God. The Ten Commandments kind of explain how do you love God, how do you love people, or at least how do you not mess up (laughs) these things. So, commandment number one, have no other gods before me. Or a more accurate translation in today's language would be, have no other gods besides me. You know, it's not that the gods are in front of him, but he should be the only one. The idea is exclusivity. That we have one God, our God. Like, for example, my wife is under the same impression with our relationship. She should be my wife, and I'm not to have any other girlfriends. Not, you know, even if she was like the number one, you know, like you're at the top of the list. You know, those other girlfriends of mine, I don't like them nearly as much as I like you. You know, that's not going to fly. She's still smiling, so it's all good. And that's, that's basically what God is saying. I want this to be an exclusive relationship. You and me. No other gods besides me. Just you and me. We love God by having an exclusive relationship with Him. The second one, don't make any graven images, no idols. Now, my guess is not many of you are tempted to run home and make an image you know, maybe today it would be a snowman. You're going to run home and make a snowman and and worship the snowman. Please go away, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're probably not going to do that. But back then, they did that a lot. I mean, that was one of the primary mistakes they made in destroying the exclusive relationship between them and God, was they added in idols. And so we don't want to do that same thing, but for us, it's a little bit different. The idols for us are more like the weeds in the field. You know, the the good soil produces a crop 30, 60, 100 times, but there aren't the weeds in it that choke out the plant. For us, we more have distractions. It's like... Instead of me having a girlfriend besides my wife, it's like me having a job that takes me away from her that she feels like she's competing with, or a hobby that she feels like she's competing with. You know, that's not adultery in the direct sense, but if my job makes me neglect my wife, then it's like having an idol. It's like having a non-exclusive relationship because it's coming between me and her. And that's the closest representation we can have of this second commandment in our current culture is we need to make sure we don't have those distractions that pull us away from God, that compete with God for that place in our heart. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a job, of course. There's nothing wrong with having hobbies. We just need to make sure that we Uh, Do those things appropriately. And don't put them before God. The third one. Don't misuse my name, God says. The quickest way to explain what this one means is (laughs) R-E-S-P-E-C-T. He wants respect. Don't Misuse my name. this takes two forms. One is idle talk. You know, if God is important, we're not throwing that name around. We're not idly using the name of God. This is something where we we are respectful uh, where we are willing to reserve. Addressing God, talking about God to serious conversation, worshipful, respectful attitude. And the second one was people used to lie to each other and say, in the name of God, this is true. Or in the name of God, I will do this. And they were never planning to. That's misusing the name of the Lord. So those two ways, uh, manipulating people, By claiming you're doing it in God's name. Which is terrible. Of course we do that with the scripture now, right? Well, I want you to do what I want you to do, so I'm going to find a verse that makes you do it. That can be icky. But we need to not use the scriptures in that way, in vain, to try to manipulate people. Uh, We need to make sure that we are respecting and honoring the scripture and not using it idly or in a manipulative way. So God wants to be respected, even in the midst of our loving relationship, like husbands, husbands need to be respected. It's a thing we need. You know, I, it, if we were different, that would be something, but it's clear in the Bible, and I can feel it myself, that being respected is very, very important. God is that way. We can love Him by respecting Him. And then the fourth one keep the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath. We're supposed to keep the Sabbath what does that mean does that mean in the in the when jesus showed up in the new testament uh they had all kinds of sabbath rules like you're not supposed to work so for you could write up to 3 letters they wanted to define these things so like writing something down was working so you could write up to 3 letters because maybe accidentally you make a mark in the sand and it's an i or something <gasps> you've worked <sighs> you know well, they they decided because they were they were serious about keeping these rules. They said you could write up to three letters as long as they didn't form a word. That was the rule, and so they were very legalistic about that. This Sabbath saying can we can hear it legalistically, but what does it mean if we translate to it to me saying to the kids, "Don't you go on the street if something happens? You come get me." They're like, "Oh, he's mean." Keep the Sabbath. Keep it holy. What does that mean? When I was talking to the kids, it was, I don't want you to get hit by a car. I love you. Keep the Sabbath. What does that mean? That means God wants to spend time with us. That's what keep the Sabbath means. It means, yeah, you're busy. You're busy, busy. Take six days, be busy. I need some time with you. Just give me a day. I want to spend the weekend with you. That's what keep the Sabbath means. Is that He wants to spend time with us. So God's love language, if we put it together from those commandments, we love God by having an exclusive relationship with Him, an exclusive relationship with Him that's built on respect and where we spend time together. That's us loving God. God loves you and He actually wants to have an exclusive relationship with you. Sin wrecks that. It breaks it. It makes it so we can't have a close connection with Him and spend time with Him and and be with Him. It wrecks that. But He wants that. So our Father in Heaven sent Jesus to die on the cross to restore our relationship with Him. That whatever our sins, whatever our failures, whatever our evaluation of who we are, we would know that the ultimate price was paid for us so that we could have one God who we respect and love that we can spend time with, that we can truly connect with. We're going to close with prayer. So I want you guys to bow your heads. Jesus restores our relationship with the Father. And uh, I'm not going to call people up for prayer. We'll have our normal prayer time after after I'm done with this. But I'm going dis- to I'm going to dismiss people after we're done praying. And if you've got a need, come on forward. But I want to know if there are people here that need their relationship with God restored, or they need it to start. Just raise your hand if you need it restored, or if you need it to begin for the first time. All right, praise God. Let's pray. I just want us all to pray together and just ask for that restoration because we know that our God wants us to love Him. He wants us to have an exclusive relationship with Him with respect and love that involves having time together. So He wants that relationship restored and He's done what it takes to bring it. So let's pray. If you, if you want to repeat, that'd be cool. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me, that you want to have a relationship with me, that you want to spend time with me. Thank you, Lord, for that. I'm sorry for the sins I've committed. I'm sorry that I've let you down. But I'm so thankful for the blood of Christ that takes my sins away. Help me now from this day forward to have you exclusively as the one I worship, exclusively as my God. Help me to love you and respect you and help me to spend time with you. Let our relationship grow day by day. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.